In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Always a pleasure to be with you as we move into off-season mode, but the Browns are still lingering for a defensive coordinator, for someone to uh, guide the ship, as we would say, here in the offseason as they get set to go into next year while the rest of the league continues to have fun. And with the playoffs, we get to be uh, voyeurs into the playoffs and watch what other teams can do. So, Daryl, let's start off with the defensive coordinator search. Where are we with that? Right now, we have uh, four names officially in the mix as we record this on a Monday afternoon. Uh, Sean Desay, the... uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, associate head coach and defensive assistant. Uh, He was in Berea on Monday interviewing. He is the fourth to interview for the job since the search began a week ago. Uh, Eagles defensive pass game coordinator uh, Denard Wilson interviewed on Saturday. He was the fourth name uh, that got, I should say fifth name actually, that got added to the mix. He was the mystery name. Uh, so he interviewed on Saturday. Of course, last week, former Lions head coach and Tennessee Titans senior defensive assistant Jim Schwartz, he was the first up to interview. That interview, of course, took place last Wednesday. And then on Thursday, it was senior uh, defensive assistant and linebackers coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brian Flores, uh, who interviewed. And, of course, Flores has some other suitors. Um, he's going to be a tough one for the Browns to get because he is going to be interviewed by uh, the Atlanta Falcons for their defensive coordinator position, and he is one of several names that the Arizona Cardinals are considering for their head coaching vacancy. And obviously that particular job opening takes precedent over any defensive coordinator openings that, of course, including uh, the Cleveland Browns. But I, I think the fact that he actually went through the interview with the Browns last week uh, shows that there is tangible interest on his part. It wasn't a uh, a token interview uh, from his perspective. He's legitimately interested in the job. So uh, wait and see what the Cardinals do with their head coaching search. So this thing may take a little while, Andy. I think everyone's you know thinking, hey, they're going to have a defensive coordinator in place by the the time divisional uh, playoff weekend rolls around. I think that there's a chance that this thing could go into. Uh, a third week or so while some of these other teams sort out not only their head coaching staffs, but, uh, you know, their uh, the, the supportive coaching staffs to go with them. So one name you didn't say, and it was my favorite line of the week last week, was hold the Mayo, Jared Mayo from New England. Um, and it appears to be that New England is uh, negotiating a big deal contract with him for him to stay. And you wonder, and I, I had read a story from Yahoo that said, is he next in line to be the head coach of the New England Patriots? Yeah, you know, uh, everyone's waiting to see what that succession plan looks like in New England. Bill Belichick, of course, will be back for 2023, but he's getting up there uh, in age. Um, And uh, there, I mean, you know, Boston's an interesting market, right? I mean, every game is the end of the world, uh, you know, and so he's taken a lot of heat uh, for the, the, the Patriot season and the fact that they did not. Uh, make the playoffs, but it was interesting to see that Mayo withdrew from consideration because the Browns, he was the original uh, among the original four 
that the Browns sought permission uh, on Monday, hours after firing Joe Woods, which uh, took place Sunday night. They wake up Monday morning and they get the request out there. He was the one of the original four. Um, it was uh, uh, Eagles defensive pass game coordinator Denard Wilson. He was the name that got added to the mix. Now, I want to clarify for some people because there's this narrative out there that Wilson is a second-wave candidate, and that's not the case. The Browns mm. actually requested permission on Wednesday a day before Mayo officially withdrew from consideration. So I would consider him still part of that first wave. We've not gone into like, what was it? The Mike Pettin head coaching search and the Rob Chudzinski head coaching search where they had to go two, three, four, five deep uh, on the uh, on the the search depth chart there. Uh, so this is the first wave and he he is part of that fifth wave. So they had basically five names that we know of uh you know uh, in mind as far as finding Joe Woods replacement what do you think they are in this thing i mean i i, I got when you look at the resume it's hard to not look at schwartz's resume and say hey if this is the guy you know until if flores is out cuz i think well, it, i don't know, it, it, I don't know that he's out i shouldn't say that i'm sorry but if you take flores out of the equation okay right is schwartz the guy for me, he is. I because I, I, I just I feel like he has the best resume of anybody. He's known for having a uh, um a, a very uh, polar opposite personality to Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And I think that that's part of what the Browns need. We've talked about that uh, when it comes to this coordinator search. I, I think that having somebody who is much different in personality than what Kevin Stefanski is quite frankly, something they need. Um, and, and I mean that in a positive way, I'm not picking on Kevin. Um, I, I think Kevin has to kind of make some changes, but he can't come into his fourth year and be a completely different head coach either, because a lot of these guys are going to be like, well, this is phony baloney stuff. Kevin's just now putting on a show because he might be on the hot seat entering his fourth year. So I think Kevin still has to be true to himself which is, quite frankly, that very low-key, boring personality that he has. So if you bring somebody in that's got some energy to him and that isn't fired to, or isn't afraid to shove the old Sergeant Hulk up someone's backside if they get out of line, which, again, is something that this team needs from a disciplinary standpoint, uh, I, I think he's a perfect fit. But Flores is my number one choice. Of the names that we have heard to this point, Andy, I don't know about you, Flores is number one. And hopefully, the Browns' job is right behind the Cardinals' head coaching job. Like, if he can obviously, if he gets the car, he can get the Cardinals' head coaching job. He's going to take that. But if he can't get that job, I am hoping, fingers crossed, that the Browns' job is the priority for him this offseason, or at least the most desirable job for him this offseason. So, I would say of the of the other names too, and we had talked about. Um... Sean to say for a second there, because I, I don't know that we've really kind of, I, I know on the air, we haven't really dug too deep into his name and yeah. who he is. He spent a lot of time with the bears from 2013 to 2011 uh, started off there as a defensive quality control coach, and then ended up as a defensive coordinator. And then since 22, so since last season, he was the associate head coach and and kind of streamed his way towards the defense. Um, and spent a little time in college in 2000, 
2006 through 2010, he was in Temple and he was at Miami for a year. So there's his resume if you're kind of looking for him. Where do you think he lands in this scenario? Well, I, I you know, I, I think he's I think he's kind of a guy that fits with Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta, and the front office, which is obviously part of the reason why they're talking to him. Um, I, I don't know a, a, a lot about him, but, um, you know, the year that he was the Bears defensive coordinator, because, you know, you laid out his resume, he spent a lot of time in Chicago, worked his way up the ranks, got a year as defensive coordinator. Um, you know, the Bears, I think, were like sixth in uh, total defense, and they were like top three defending the pass. And where, where's the Brown strength on, on the defense, right? It's in the secondary. Aside from Miles Garrett, we're setting him aside because that front seven is not a strength. It's like Miles Garrett and a bunch of other guys. Let's be honest about it right now. Um, whereas that secondary for the Browns, there's a lot of talent back there. Um, and that's where his strength is. And, and that's why I kind of lean towards Schwartz if it's not going to be Flores as well, because like Schwartz's entire career, Andy, in the National Football League has been defense. Like he's coached every single defensive uh, position group outside of his four or five year coaching stint with the Lions, in which he inherited a winless 0 6 team and 0 16 team, rather, and took him to the playoffs three years later. Um, his entire coaching, it, it's on the defensive side of the ball. So he is absolutely an expert when you talk about all three levels uh, of a defense. But um, Desai really fits into the current front office managerial model. That's, that's I think, a, a good way to, to frame it. It's always game day in Cleveland. We've got a lot more to talk about on today's podcast as we move forward again. If you like what you're listening to, all you have to do is subscribe. It's so simple. It's so easy. Uh, you can do that on the Odyssey app. And if you want to be a part of the show, because i got to believe we have a mailbag coming up here pretty soon. Um, we will uh, take your questions on Twitter and on Instagram at game day CLE. When we come back, it's all about awards for the Browns and what is going on in Baltimore. Plus we'll talk about the playoffs as well. It's all straight ahead on it's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder with Andy Baskin. Reminder, mobile sports betting finally legal here in the state of Ohio. BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or downloading the BetQL app and claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. He is Daryl Ryder again. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, let's get into the award season here. I mean, we have nothing else to talk about. I mean, other than I got to tell you, Daryl, as I was watching the playoffs all weekend, I was just pure jealous, pure jealous that we don't have a team there. And I think about some of the storylines going into the playoffs too, about, you know, third string quarterbacks doing this and that. And by the way, the Ravens were a Hail Mary inches away from upsetting the Bengals. I mean, there, the, I think we've seen every team rise to the occasion, although I do think that there is something to home field advantage with what, with the exception of the Giants, it's the home team that's been able to pull things off in the playoffs going into the Monday nighter. I just, before we get into the words and stuff, just your general thoughts on playoffs. Well, you should be used to not having playoff games to watch here in Cleveland, first and foremost. Yeah, unfortunately, at, yes. least, at least ones that invo involve the Browns. Um, we're basically back to normal in that regard. Yeah, I mean, just fun weekend, right? I mean, the most lopsided game was San Francisco, you know, basically tar and feathering the Seahawks. Um, it's, it, you know, Kyle Shanahan 
it, I almost tweeted this this weekend, but I, I just didn't want to deal with the response. So I'll just say it here. Two former Browns offensive coordinators are in the divisional round of the playoffs. Kyle Shanahan, who basically couldn't get the hell out of Berea fast enough because even he couldn't fix Johnny Manziel, has Brock freaking Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, in the division round, out there looking like Joe Montana and Steve Young, okay? And then Brian Dable, who was here with Eric Mangini, uh, <laughs> it's hard to believe, like that's been 12 years ago, but it has. Uh, he has the, the New York football giants in uh, the divisional round. So hard to believe that the Browns didn't see head coaching potential in either one of those guys. But um, yeah, a lot of fun games. The uh, A lot of tight games, a lot of down to the wire. You know, uh, you mentioned the Cincinnati, Baltimore um, outcome that, that Huntley trying to get the ball over the goal line and then having it slapped out of his hands. You see, that's like a regular play now. Um, and and it get returned 98 yards for uh, a touchdown the other way. And that ended up being the difference on the scoreboard. That was a holy bleep moment. I hate to say this with, with legalized gambling in Ohio, I'll say this too, that there was somebody had tweeted on Instagram that the inches that he missed to get into the end zone, he was he was short by a full yard. He was short by a full yard. It, he wasn't the wrong, there was a touchdown over the maybe that one wasn't the one, but there was a touchdown over the weekend that was just short. And I think it was a maybe it was the Minnesota game. Is that what I'm thinking of? That was by the just way, the Vikings were who we thought they were. Yeah, that cost somebody like a million dollars by half a yard That's on their thing. Lot. So. It is weird to kind of follow along and see what people are doing and see what happens on social media and, you know, sources like that. You know what we talk about? about when it comes to like the sports gambling is how much fun it's actually going to take out of the out of the games for fans. Because when you have money on it, right, you're trying to win money like and, and hopefully people are betting responsibly and and, you know, if it, it, they're doing it for fun rather than out of a, a, a necessity. But um, I'm wondering, like, even the Cavaliers with their sports book and stuff like that, I'm wondering what the atmosphere in the building is going to be like because the NBA is so dependent on that atmosphere and, and the crowd noise. But, yeah, um, a lot of a lot of fun games. Sucks the Browns weren't there. I don't think that the Browns are going to be there next year either because uh, they're, they're bringing Kevin Stefanski back, and I'm not expecting much to change because he's not been able to sufficiently motivate guys the last two years to get the most out of him. So I don't, I just, I have no expectation that he, Andy, that he's going to be able to motivate him this year and, and get the most out of him again. I, I just, I, I, you know, give, given Andrew Barry his just due and opportunity to tweak this roster and bring some guys in, but they've had enough talent the last two years. And I kind of put this square squarely on the feet of the head coach and his inability to sufficiently motivate this team to get the most out of the talent that he's he's been given to work with. So I just I don't have a lot of faith that Stefanski all of a sudden in year four is going to be like, you know, flipping a switch and all these guys are going to be rah-rah for Kevin Stefanski. I think my biggest concern from the season then is that the the lack of – I'm going to put this the right way – that if the Jadavian Clowney issues started with the first Baltimore game, and then ended with the last game of the season with him not playing. It's like, I, I don't understand why it took so long to fester. I don't understand why you would leave an open wound 
on the defense for the entire season. I mean, you can even go back to week one where, you know, guys in post-game press conferences were saying, well, there's a communication problem. That, that's got to be a gigantic red flag to the head coach that he's got to figure he, out the communication problem. And he was asked all the questions about it, and he did nothing to fix it. And, at, you know, when I have players telling me, yeah, I really didn't have much of a relationship with Joe Woods. Like, he was the boss. I'm the employee. I just did what he told me to do. Like, that's not how you win football games in the National Football League. And if that's the way Kevin Stefanski manages – well, now you know why I feel like, the way I do about next season and him back for a fourth year because it's so not my my question more is a style thing for Kevin because is Kevin allowing his coordinators to try to run things the way they need to run things? But ultimately, Kevin is the one that will take the fall. So, I mean, well, I understand that there's a relationship Kevin issue there. My, that's my understanding. Kevin was hands off with the defense. How mostly. can you be that way as a head coach in the NFL? You got to have some input on all three sides of the ball, right? Well, he had input, but he kind of left Joe Woods to his own devices. And there is a reason, Andy, all through the month of December, I kept saying, Kevin Stefanski, you either want to be the head coach or you want to be an offensive coordinator. Like there, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a re there's a reason I was talking about people skills for a month there. Like there there's reasons for me saying some of the things that I say, but unfortunately can't come out and actually say, what needs to be said and so yeah i you know um and these are things that have to change this year and that's why i'm really excited about the potential for a flores or a schwartz to come in here and light a fire under some guys because quite frankly this team needs it kevin stefanski ain't gonna light a fire under them that's for sure so might as well be the defensive coordinator that's what it feels like. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, move a little bit forward here. Uh, awards that came out for the Browns, uh, a couple of guys being honored for the way they were playing. Well-deserved, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's award season, right? Uh, Joel yeah. Batonio, the only first-team Associated Press All-Pro. Um, Garrett and Chubb were second-team. All three, Batonio, Chubb, and Garrett, made the NFLPA All-Pro first-team. Uh, and that was voted on just, you know, players, uh, that, you know, so that's obviously some quality, uh, recognition there. Of course, Batonio five straight pro bowls for him. Um, he is, it was also, uh, I am a member of the local chapter of the pro football writers. I, I also voted for Batonio as our Joe Thomas award winner as the team's best player for the 2022 season. Um, you know, uh, tough. Was it tough to do that over Nick or no? Tough. To, yeah, uh, it it is. And but he, the reason I voted for him because I was thinking, sitting there thinking, like, man, we're gonna look stupid if Joel Batonio is in the Hall of Fame and we never voted him as a Player of the Year ever. Uh, we had that situation with Joe Thomas it, late in his career. It was like, well, all right, um, Joe's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm gonna look pretty stupid if I never voted for him as the Player of the Year uh on the team um you know uh kudos to chubb making the ap uh all pro uh for the first time in his career uh garrett um uh got named to this you know second team twice uh in his career previously he was named um to the first team uh once before 
So, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that uh, some of the cornerstones of the team for having good seasons get uh, rewarded. But um, it would have been nice if uh, the Browns played some football beyond January 9th. <laughs> Would it have, uh, I, I feel like we're like in this, just like trying to dig our way out of a hole right now. Like, I'm looking forward to some things um, moving forward. Like I can't wait till the Super Bowl just so I can get past this season because I think it's hard to get out of the quicksand until the Super Bowl is over, and then you can kind of look forward. But with no draft, uh, first round draft pick, it still leaves you with a couple feet uh, stuck in cement, and you're trying to get out of the ocean. So, all right, let's do this. Let's come back in a second. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. We always want you to subscribe if you get the opportunity. Again, it kind of feels like we're in limbo because the season is over, but the stories never, ever stop. Um, I I do want to talk to you about an interesting development in the AFC North with Baltimore getting uh, booted from the playoffs by Cincinnati. And man, to go back and see the pictures of the Hail Mary and how close it was to being a Hail Mary catch at the end of the game and Baltimore could have survived to see another week. I thought it was super interesting, but I still think Cincinnati is the better team all the way around. And I would love to have their core wide receivers and their quarterback. Sorry, Deshaun. I just love Joe Burrow and it's, and we're sitting here with growing pains again with Deshaun. I, Joe Burrow to me is, I think a special quarterback. Um, but beyond that, what's going on in Baltimore, I think is absolutely fascinating uh, for Lamar Jackson. Why don't you pick it up from there, Joe? Yeah, it's cryptic social media post season. <laughs> and for once, it doesn't involve the Browns. Well, first of all, so last week, Lamar, after all the questions and, and that, he he takes the social media, gives everybody a medical update and says uh, he's trying to get back as fast as he can, but he just got still got the swelling. He's not ready to go, et cetera, et cetera, right? So he doesn't travel to Cincinnati with the Ravens to attend the, the playoff game. That's one. Two doesn't say squat throughout the game either. Like zero, he went full LeBron, zero dark 30 on social media. Then Monday morning on his Instagram story, I'm going to read what he uh, posted. It, it was a, uh, a text meme, I guess, with, uh, and he just put like the praying hands emoji on top of it. But the message was this. Quote, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. End quote. Holy schlamoli. Can you believe that? Yes, I can, because it just seems dysfunctional, doesn't it? I mean, everything kind of seems dysfunctional in that situation. And, like, I've never had a really, really good feeling that um, he was a 1,000% coming back. Now, you listen to that, he is a fair game for any team. How would you like to pick him up next season? Well, and it calls into question, do because the Ravens still control him for two more years with the franchise tag, That they, you know. But, man, if I'm the Ravens and I see that this morning – because I'm having a brain cramp. They just gave a linebacker a $100 million contract last week. Yes. And and they still haven't taken care of Lamar. So he's probably sitting there saying, what the hell is going on? I'm still not taken care of. This is like the second or third 
extension you guys have done this year. I'm not one of them. And then, you know, I never question injury. I, you know, effort is, is off limits to me. Injury is another one that's off limits to me, but you do have people questioning the legitimacy of Lamar Jackson's injury right now, which I don't think is fair. But when you post something like that, hindsight 2020 and the fact he doesn't go to Cincinnati to support his teammates, he's zero dark 30 on social media until the, until that Monday morning, you sit there and say, well, I don't know, maybe he was just like bleep this and see y'all, you know, next year or whatever. I, I don't know, but, um, I will say it is nice that the drama doesn't involve the Browns with, you know, in this regard, but like Deshaun Watson set all that up. Like Deshaun Watson set the Ravens up with that fully guaranteed $230 million contract because you have Lamar Jackson who's sitting in Baltimore saying, I've taken this team to the playoffs. I have an NFL MVP in my trophy case which, oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson does not have in his, right? right? I've never been accused of anything inappropriate in any way, shape, or form in any court or whatever. He's saying that. And so where's my $230 million fully guaranteed? So I get it. And the other part of this too, Andy, is that he got hurt. He has had to miss time, significant time. With this MCL sprain, grade two, which is basically a partial tear, not a full tear, but a, that's, you know, partial tears are, can be significant. And so he's sitting there like, hey, man, like I could have blown out my knee and, and lost everything. So it, it's got to be an uneasy time for him as a player and as a person and, you know, employee, et cetera. But yeah, man, it's to, to be. To be in the Ravens' position right now is not a spot that I would envy at all because he's a player that deserves the extension. He's a player that deserves the big money, and he's not getting it from the Ravens. So wait, let me just make sure I get this right. Franchise him next year is what they would have to do, right? They're in that yes. position. Okay. They, they, can fran- they, they can franchise him for two years. Or he can demand the trade and maybe not get it. Could demand could the trade. Vegas. Could see him in New Orleans. Would you like? See, that I think Tom Brady's going to end up in Vegas. I don't know why, but just yeah. my gut, either Vegas or Miami. Because I don't think Tua should come back with the Dolphins. I yeah. honestly, I think Tua should retire just as a human being. Yeah. Um, he's had so many concussions that I worry about his long term health. Um, but you know, it's easy for me to to sit in a chair and t- in a conversation with you say, "Yeah, Tua, you should retire." Um, because all these guys, they're they're warriors, they're competitors. Um, so that's obviously a, a decision that Tua and his family is going to have to make. But um, I think that there's going to be another round of this quarterback carousel this offseason. And it'll be interesting to see how many big pieces are on, are on that carousel riding off into new destinations. But I, I don't think Tom Brady's back with the Buccaneers. I, I could see him either in Miami or Vegas easily. And then Derek Carr... Now, if Brady leaves the Buccaneers, maybe Tampa Bay picks him up or Miami. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of options. Let's say, you know, I don't know. We've even talked about this. Let's talk about Browns free agents for like two or three minutes here, too, because um, I I don't know that we've really dug into that. Right. I don't think we have. Like, uh, uh, let me start with Jacoby Brissett. I want him back next year. He won't be back. 
because another team will want him or want another team will pay him more. Yeah, the, he, he's he's going to go be a starter somewhere. I think. He I don't think. I, You're I, I think. Yeah. Um. And just, I haven't been told anything, but I'm I'm really good at reading body language. And right. when you leave a bunch of personalized uh, messages with autographs on jerseys in teammates' lockers, that doesn't sound like you know. That just doesn't feel like a guy that's coming back. You know what I mean? Okay. And he left, you know, he left them with, you know, core members of the Browns as well. So it, 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 my pers- let me be very clear. My perception of the situation that I saw with my own two eyes is one in which he is anticipating that he's not going to come back. And so he was leaving gifts for, you know, teammates behind. Is let that me, fair? I think know, that's, that's fair absolutely way. fair. No, that makes sense. That's, that's like, being in the clubhouse the night before you know a guy's going to make it on a baseball team and you suddenly see a New Jersey sitting there like, oh, I guess he's getting called up. And this is the exact opposite of that, right? So right. Um, Clowney gone, Kareem Hunt gone, right? There's no – Yes. No there's no, I, I, I think Kareem Hunt, there's – if I'm him, I'm gone. There's no way I'm coming back to the Browns. Number – not even for money, Andy, just for freaking opportunity. Yeah. He didn't get enough opportunity here, and he's a player that needs every every down carries. He he's a number one running back. He's not a third down back. So for those that want to criticize his production and the limited opportunities, he's like Nick Chubb. He's the sledgehammer. You keep pounding against the concrete wall with the sledgehammer until eventually you bust through. That's the type of player he is. So I don't think he is back. I think Jadavian Clowney took a blowtorch to just about every bridge on the way out the door. There's no way he's coming back. Uh, um, so, yeah, those two are absolutely going to hit the free agent market. And Jadavian, by the way, I, I, I'm i glad you brought him up because I'm going to uh, – not that Mary Kay needs me to defend her or to stick up for her, but oh, I just – Mary Kay defended herself before he even said anything. Right, but I'm just – I, I just have to say that I think that what he did with that statement, accusing her of misin, misinter, playing the misinterpreted, taken out of context card, is 100% BS and disrespectful towards Mary Kay Cabot. And I think it's reprehensible, 100%. She is a professional. She, she, she went out of her way in that article to say that Clowney was not taking cheap shots or had an issue with Miles Garrett. She right. put it black and white. And then for him to come back a week later, by the way, a week goes by after the bleep storm hits the fan a week right. later and to put out that week statement, basically uh, questioning her integrity, I thought was BS. And uh, I, I just, I, I had a big, big problem with that. Be a man. Own so up I don't to what know. did you did you catch? You know, she was on the morning show and yeah, had said I, right after the interview, she said, Look, I talked to Jadavin while we were doing this, and I said, Hey, do you really want to walk down this road? Do you really want to do this? If you want to stop, I don't want to take this out of out of context. And you know what he and you know what he said? Huh. Bleep, yeah, do it. And then during was it Dearness Johnson? I think she said was was standing right yeah. next to them. There were teammates. Heard the whole thing. There, he goes, like, hey man, do you really want to go there? And he was just like and he, I mean, even his own teammate warned him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I thought it was BS that he questioned and went after Mary Kay Cabot's professionalism and uh, you know, the, the way she goes about, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't think that that was right. 
Be a man. Own up to what you said. If anything, the issue statement said, "Yeah, I said what I said. I, it was out of it was out of frustration. I did not mean to take a cheap shot at Miles Garrett. If that's the way it was perceived, my grievances had to do with Joe Woods and the organization, and nothing to do with Miles Garrett. He is a future Hall of Famer in my eyes. It's been a pleasure playing with him the last two years, and that's all you had to say. That's the professional way. That's the grown ass adult way." to handle that situation. You don't go ahead and question a reporter's integrity and play the taken out of context and misinterpreted my words card. You just, yeah, well, that's, I still, that just seems crazy that he did that. All right, let's talk more about free agents in the next show. So we'll do that too. That'll be coming up on the next, because I still want to, there's a lot more things I want to talk about with the Browns and their current free agents and what they might go out and try to get in free agency as well. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for our great producer, Meredith Kane. Thanks for listening again to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. If you want to be a part of the podcast, all you need to do is hit us up on social media, on Instagram, or on Twitter at GameDayCLE. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.